Always be who you is. Because if you is who you ain't, then you ain't who you is. Brendan Manning said that. And I love that quote because what he's saying there is God made you in a specific way to be a specific person. And when we try to be something other than what he created us to be, then we cannot be who he created us to be. And you know what? Only you can be the best you possible. Nobody else can be that. And when we try to be somebody else, at best, we are second place. God created us in a specific way for a specific task with a specific purpose, which he prepared in advance for us to do. Before we were ever born, God prepared what he wanted us to do in his name. We've been looking at this passage of scripture in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. And it says, what, after all, is Apollos? And what is Paul? Only servants through whom you came to believe, as the Lord has assigned to each his task. Notice what it said there. <laughs> Who's Apollos? Who is Paul? Only servants. They are only servants. Just like you and I, we are just servants. We are no better or we are no worse than Paul. Okay? You're no better or no worse than anybody else. We're all just simply servants, serving God, only servants through whom you came to believe. Because of what Apollos, uh, Apollos and Paul had done, the people there had come to believe in Jesus. They had become followers of Jesus. They had put their trust in Jesus. Why? Look what Paul says there. As the Lord has assigned to each his task, when we do, what God has called us to do, when we perform the task that the Lord has assigned to us, people come to know Jesus. People come to know Jesus when we are doing what God has called us to do. Now, a lot of other things may happen. A lot of great things may happen. And I believe that's part of God's plan as well. His will on earth as it is in heaven. But ultimately, the ultimate thing that we want to happen in our service is that people come to know Jesus. They come to believe. We are only servants through whom others come to believe. When we come to believe, we become servants through whom others come to believe. Because their lives are changed by Jesus. Paul goes on to say, I planted the seed. Apollos watered it, but God is making it grow. <laughs> if we do our part, God will do his part. If we're not growing, if people are not coming to Jesus, maybe we're not doing our part. Maybe we are not doing the task that the Lord has assigned to us. Now, please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that every person that you talk to is going to come to Jesus. Every person that you serve is going to come to Jesus. <laughs> that every time you feel like you're doing what God has called you to do, that you're going to have an abundance of people coming to Jesus. But I am saying this, and I believe this passage is saying this, 
that when we serve God in the way that he has assigned us to serve him, the ultimate result will be that people come to believe in Jesus. People will come to believe in Jesus. When Paul did what he was supposed to do, planting the seed, people came to Jesus. That's what it says when God, God has been making it grow. It means God is bringing people to Jesus. When Apollos watered, which is what God had called him to do, guess what? God made it grow. God brought people to Jesus. What is this? This is, this is Paul planting these churches, starting these churches, telling people about Jesus in, in many times for the first time they've ever heard it. What does it mean when it says Apollos watered it? It means that Apollos worked with people that have already come to Jesus and helped disciple them, help them grow, help equip them to lead other people to Jesus. You see, it's a cycle. And through it all, God will make things grow. The church will, will grow. Spiritually, we will grow. Growth will take place when we are doing what God has called us to do. That's our assignment. Now, how do we know what our assignment is? Good question. I'm glad you asked. Last week, we looked at two different things. We looked at spiritual gifts. Spiritual gifts is one of the things... <coughs> That helps us understand what God is wanting to do in us and through us. Listen, if you have a gift for preaching, if your spiritual gift is preaching or your spiritual gift is teaching, guess what you ought to be doing? Preaching and teaching. <laughs> if your spiritual gift is administration, guess what you ought to be doing? Administering. That's what we talked about last week. Whatever your spiritual gift is, do it. Do it diligently. Do it with love. Do it with compassion. But do whatever it is God has called you to do. And understanding your spiritual gift helps you better understand what it is God is calling you to do. And then we talked about your heart. The second part of our shape is our heart. Those things that we are passionate about, those godly passions. I'm not talking about ungodly passions. Uh, we want to wipe those out. But the godly passions, the things that God has put on our heart that he wants us to do. And each one of us have passion for different areas. What I do, I have a passion for. I have a passion for, for ministry. I have a passion for church leadership. I have a passion for seeing churches and individuals in the in churches to climb to their, their God-given potential. Okay, I have a passion for that. That's why I'm not a status quo guy. I cannot worship at the altar of the status quo because I have a passion for what God is wanting to do in me and through me when plugged into a church. <laughs> And it's not status quo. None of the churches that I read about in the New Testament were status quo. Hey, we've done enough. We've gone far enough. We've ministered enough. We've reached enough people with Jesus. We've filled our building. Let's just be comfortable. You won't find that in the New Testament. You find that in America, but you won't find it in the New Testament. In the New Testament, they were always pressing on. Paul said, I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Why? Why is Jesus taking hold of you? Is it just to go to heaven when you die? 
No, no, it's not. It's not. Sometimes we get so heavenly minded that we are no earthly good. Now, that is the ultimate goal. We want to go to heaven when we die. I'm with you there. I'm ready. And if God's ready for me right now, I'm ready to go. If he decides to take me before I'm done preaching this message, then Joe, you'll have to take over, my friend, because I'm out of here. Okay, not like I have a choice in the matter, but if I did have a choice, I'd still be out of here. Okay, if God's ready for me to go, I'm ready. But the reason I'm still here is because it's not all just about going to heaven when we die. It's about making a difference while we're here. It's about God's will on earth as it is in heaven. And he has equipped each and every one of us for us to play our part in what he is wanting to do through each one of us. And the result of that is that people come to know Jesus. God will produce the growth when we do our assignment, our task that God has assigned to each and every one of us. <laughs> so we talked about spiritual gifts. We've talked about our passion in our heart. We're going to be talking about the A today in the word shape. And the A stands for abilities. Abilities. Now, abilities are a little different than spiritual gifts. <laughs> spiritual gifts are those things that we receive when the Holy Spirit enters us, when we become followers of Jesus, when we make that decision to commit ourselves to Jesus, when we go under the watery grave of baptism and we come up a brand new creation, we receive, according to Acts 2.38, we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But not only do we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit, we receive the Holy Spirit's gifts. And we talked about that last week and, and, and how he works through us. And But those are spiritual gifts. Those are great. God works through those. We receive those through the power of the Holy Spirit. But we have other abilities other than spiritual gifts. We have things that we do well. And as I have said many times before, I believe that every one of us has something, at least something, and probably multiple somethings, but at least something that we do better than most other people. Again, we may not be the best in the world. God's not calling us necessarily to be the best in the world, but he is calling us to do what we do well for him. For him. Now, some of those abilities can be natural abilities. You may have a natural, but you may naturally work well on cars. I don't have that ability. Okay. Matter of fact, when I was very young, I had a mechanical bypass. All right. You don't want me working on your car. You know what? I don't want me working on my car. Because <laughs> I love my family and myself too much to be working on my car. <laughs> I love you too much to be working on your car. But there's some people that's good at it. They have a natural ability. Just comes natural for them. And they continue to develop that ability. Some people have a natural uh, uh, ability to, to get up and speak. And again, that can, that can work well with, with the spiritual gift of preaching. But they're not necessarily the same. But they do work well together. One of my abilities, one of my spiritual gifts is preaching. But also one of my abilities is public speaking, get up and talking in front of a crowd. It's where I am most comfortable, up in front of, and, and, 
And I'll be completely honest with you. I am much more comfortable talking in front of a crowd than I am talking in front of a screen. Okay. We do what we have to do with what we have right where we are. But man, I would much rather be talking to a crowd of people where I can see your face. But that's one of my abilities. And you know what? I work on that ability to try to make it better. We have those natural abilities. And then we have those acquired abilities. Maybe not something that necessarily came natural for us, but some ability that we have acquired over time. Maybe because of a job we've had or because of a responsibility that we had, we've acquired a specific ability over time. And you know what? God wants to use both of those in you. Do you think you acquired that ability by accident? You think God's up there and all of a sudden you acquire an ability? He goes, wow, I didn't know that was going to happen. I wonder what we could do with that. <laughs> God had that planned out, man. He had it planned out before you had a clue, before I had a clue. God has given you these abilities <laughs> to be able to serve him. In Romans chapter 12, verse 6, it says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts for doing certain things well. There are certain things we do well. Some of those are spiritual gifts. Some of those are natural abilities and acquired abilities that we have learned along the way. And you know what? Every one of those abilities can be used for the glory of God. I don't care what your ability is. Now, you may be using it wrong. But your ability came from God. Even the abilities that are used to sin are God-given abilities. They're just being misused or abused. Because you see, Satan is not a creator. He's powerful, but he is not a creator. Satan did not create things. God is the creator. And he created ability in you to serve him. Unfortunately, sometimes we use those abilities to serve Satan. Doesn't mean the abilities are wrong. Just means we're using them in the wrong way and we're abusing them. God has given you a specific ability to be able to serve him, to better serve the church and the world through your ability. All right, let's go on to the P. And out of the five, this is probably my favorite. Those of you who know me well know that I am a I am a personality nerd. Okay, I love studying personalities. It's one of the things that I focused on when I was getting my uh, master's degree in life coaching. I continue to study it. Um, it I, I have a passion for personality styles. I love it. But one of the reasons I love it is because I feel like God gave us those personalities, again, to serve him, just like our spiritual gifts, just like our passions, just like our abilities. God has given us specific personalities to be able to serve him. You know what? Not everybody's extroverted. Not everybody's introverted. Neither one of those are right or wrong. God needs and uses both of those to be able to serve him in a specific way. God uses all different personalities. Now, later in the year, we're going to go a little deeper in this, okay? We're going, to, we're going to have a whole message just on personality styles and how God uses those. But I just want to touch on it right now. I just want to hit the surface uh, today, and we'll look more deeply at this um, later in the year. 
Okay. Personality styles. There's, there's four basic personality styles and this goes all the way back uh, to the great philosophers. Okay. They, they, they kind of split this up into four dominant personality styles. <laughs> and listen, there's, there's numerous variants within those styles and the human psyche is much more complex than four personality styles, okay? I just want to say that up front. I'm not here to put everybody in a box and say, okay, this is your box. And as I describe these, you'll probably find characteristics in all four of these because we all have some of all four, but we have one that is more dominant than the others. And we have a secondary. And then we have, you know, a third and fourth place as it goes on down. <laughs> And like I said, we'll dig into this deeper later in the year. But right now, I just want to touch on there's four dominant personality styles. You'll hear these explained different ways. Some people use animals. Some people use colors. Some people use archaic Greek words that we never use for any other reason other than personality styles. I don't use any of those. I like to use uh, straight out of the Bible um, in, in Mark chapter 12. This isn't in your, in your notes, but, but in Mark chapter 12, um, Jesus was asked, what is the greatest commandment? And he said to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind. Okay? What is Jesus saying there? And then he said to love your neighbor as yourself. <laughs> what is Jesus saying there? Love God with everything you got. With every aspect of your being. Every bit of your psyche. Love God. <laughs> and I believe that also explains our four different personality styles. Okay? The most popular are the hearts. The hearts make up about 40 to 50% of the world's population. The hearts are the security-seeking personalities. They like stability. They want to know that everything is, is under control and everything is the way it's supposed to be. Um, they like having enough money in the bank to know they're secure. They want to know their children are safe. They like the white picket fence and the dog. Okay. Now that's extreme. I'm talking in extremes, but, but those are the characteristics of a heart. <laughs> Second most populous in the world are what I call the bodies. They make up about 30 to 40% of the world's population. And they are what I call the thrill-seeking personality, okay? They love to have fun. They love to have adventure. Uh, they're, they get bored easily if they're just sitting around doing nothing. So they got to be active. They got to be up. They got to be doing something. The last thing you want to do with a body is to say, hey, let's, let's have a bunch of meetings to see what we're going to do. <laughs> so you have the meetings. Then you come tell me what to do and we'll go with it, okay? Uh, they just don't. They, they have a tough time dealing with that. They are, they are troubleshooters. When they see a problem, they don't like to go in, fix it quick, and go on. They don't want to deliberate. They don't want to throw around ideas. They don't want to bounce around everything and come back to it next week or next month. What it, hey, if there's a problem, get in, fix it, go. Those are, our, those are our bodies. The third most populous are what we call the souls. The souls are our identity-seeking personalities. They're the ones always trying to figure out who they are. And if they ever discover who they are, they cease being who they are because who they are is trying to find out who they are. 
Okay, it's this lifelong journey that they're on of deeper discovery of who they are. And they are our dreamers. They are our visionaries. They are the ones that that see a better world and want to do all that they can to create that better world. And then the fourth most populous is what we call the minds. They make about make up about five to ten percent of the world's population. The minds are our knowledge seeking personalities. They're the ones always wanting to, to know more. They want to know how things work. They want to know how the world works. They want to know how the machine works. They're the ones that when they are kids and they get presents for Christmas and birthday, they don't so much play with the toys. They take it apart to figure out how it works. They love discovering that type of stuff. They are the minds and they are, they are our strategic people. They are the ones that in the most efficient way want to get from point A to point B. Don't go floating around and all this list, a straight line, folks, from A to B, step one, two, three. That's it. Let's go. They love being individuals. <laughs> they don't, they're the ones that struggle the most to fit into a team. Now, like I said, we'll dig into this more deeply later in the year. And I love this stuff. I could, I could go on. I, I, I do, I do full day seminars on this stuff. Okay. So I've got at least seven hours of material I can teach on this stuff. Don't get scared. I'm not going to do all seven hours a day. And later in the year, I won't do all seven hours. Um, but if you want to come to my house and talk with me sometime, I'll talk all day about it all day because I think it's so powerful because God, listen, we are born with these personalities. They don't change. They don't change. We develop them and grow into them, but they don't change. Our natural tendencies and our personality do not change unless something has happened to us to negatively affect our brain chemistry. Then that will change them. But other than that, our personality styles do not change because it's the way that God created us. You know, it's not like we get to be 30 years old and God goes, oops, I messed up on this one. Let's change his personality. That's not the way it works, folks. God created us the way he wanted to create us to serve him. Now, listen, when your personality style is different from somebody else's, realize God is using somebody else in a different way than he's using you. He doesn't use everybody the same way. And our tendency is to think everybody else should be just like us. And they shouldn't. They should be exactly the way God made them to be. It is nice. It feels good when we are able to serve God in the way that he made us. In the way that he made us. And let me just tell you, with all of these areas, this is, this is not just in the church, although specifically we're talking about serving God in ministry. Listen, if you can get a career, you can spend your whole life performing in your shape, performing in the way that God created you to perform. Your life is going to be so much more fulfilling, so much more fulfilling. All right, we've got one more to talk about. The E in the word shape stands for experiences. Your experiences. What experiences have you gone through? Because your experiences have helped shape you to be who you are. 
tie that in with your personalities, your abilities, your, your passions, and your spiritual gifts. You tie all that in with your experiences, and it makes you a unique individual. Your perspective, the way you see the world, the way you're, you're able to help people. Listen, who better to help somebody who has struggled with alcoholism than somebody who has experienced that battle for themselves? Who has gone through that. Now listen. I haven't gone through that. I have my own struggles. But that's that was never a struggle for me. And if I'm working with somebody who has that struggle. I can love them. And I can help them to an extent. But I can't help them the way that somebody who has been through that experience can help them. Because they understand what they're going through. Much better than I did. Much better than I did. God will use every experience you've gone through to make this world a better place. <laughs> Both our positive and our negative experiences, our positive and our painful. Those experiences that we could celebrate and those experiences that, that cause us pain, even to this day, they may cause us pain. God wants to use those experiences in your life to help you minister to other people who have gone through similar experiences. Romans 8, verse 28, it says, And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. What is that? <laughs> That's God bringing some good out of your painful experiences. And when you're able to help somebody else overcome something because of your painful experiences, that means God has worked for the good of that situation. If you love God and you're following his purpose for your life, then all things will work for the good. All things. Doesn't mean that everything you're going through is good. Okay, okay those painful experiences were not good. Okay, they were painful, but good can come out of them if we love God and we follow his purpose for our lives. Those painful, agonizing, bad experiences, goods can come out of those. We can change people's lives because of our experiences. I would encourage you. I would encourage you to get a piece of paper out and write down some of your experiences. And I would look at four different areas. First of all, your physical experiences. What are those things that you've done? Places that you've gone, jobs that you've had. Again, your great experiences and your painful experiences. Both. God can use both of those, okay? So what are your physical experiences? Maybe there's a sport that you've, you've played. <laughs> Something that you've done. Maybe you've, you've had a, a physical illness that has gotten you down. Maybe you've had a broken bone somewhere along the way. Maybe you had an illness that almost killed you, and you overcame that. What are your physical experiences, both good and bad? And I would encourage you to write down both the good and the bad. Get another sheet of paper, and at the top of it, write um, emotional experiences. What are your emotional experiences? Again, what are those things that, what are those times when you've celebrated? I mean, you 
are up on the mountain. And man, you talk about those great experiences that you've had in life when you've been happy, you've been enthusiastic, you've been excited, things were good. And then also those, those bad emotional experiences. Those times that your heart has been broken, it feel like your heart has been ripped out of your chest. And maybe you even felt like you could not go on at that time. But you did because you're here. You're now. Okay. Every negative experience you've gone through in life, you have overcome because you are still here. Now, you may be going through something right now that you feel like that you can't get through. But let me just reassure you, with God's help, you've made it through every other experience you've ever had. You've made it through. Keep moving forward. Keep the journey going. You will overcome. God didn't bring you this far to just bring you this far. He's got more for you to do. And the experience that you're going through right now, somewhere along the way, you're going to be able to help somebody else out who's going through a similar experience. Both your great emotional experiences and your painful emotional experiences. Your mental or your intellectual experiences. What are your experiences there? Both your, your good ones and your bad ones. What have you learned along the way? What have you, what classes have you taken? Maybe you, maybe you failed at something. You, maybe you took a class or you were, you were in college and you flunked out or something. I don't know. Those experiences, both the great ones and the bad ones. <laughs> you can use to serve God. So write those down, write mental or intellectual at the top of your paper and write down those experiences. And then the fourth one, we've talked about our, our physical, our emotional and our mental. The fourth one are spiritual experiences. What are both your positive and your negative spiritual experiences? What have you gone through? Man, what are those times when you are just on a spiritual high? Maybe it's a week at church camp. Maybe it was some type of, of conference. Maybe it was a revival. Maybe it was the time. Hey, listen, all of us should have at least one big time spiritual experience if we're followers of Jesus. And that's when we first came to Jesus, right? I mean, that's a positive spiritual experience. But maybe you've had some negative spiritual experiences as well. Maybe you've had a bad church experience where you were in a church that was that was more like the Pharisees than they were like Jesus. They were more judgmental than they were full of grace. They were more, more full of anger and hatred than they were love and compassion. And that really ripped you apart. You know what? Other people are going through those experiences. And maybe you are the one who can help pull them through because you've been there. What are both your mountaintop experiences and your valley experiences? Physically, emotionally, mentally, and spiritually. And be willing to share those negative experiences, those painful experiences. God can only use our painful experiences if we are willing to share them. Doesn't mean you necessarily have to share them with the world, but you may find a situation where you're talking with an individual and God is just laying it on your heart. Share, share that experience. That's what this person needs right now.
Be open to what God wants to do in your life. When we look at our shape, when we look at our spiritual gifts, our heart, our abilities, our personality, and our experiences, it will help us to better understand how God has assigned us a specific task. Begin to look at the overlaps in those areas. You know, I talked earlier about my one of my spiritual gifts is preaching. One of my abilities is public speaking. See the overlap there? One of my passions is being able to share things with people that transform their lives. See the overlap there? With my spiritual gift, with my ability, with my passion. Listen, with my personality, I'm, a, I'm the type of person that, that, that really likes to see people improve their lives. I like to see people uh, kind of get introspective and look at what's inside and how to pull that out. That's what I do as a coach. Fits right in with my personality and my experiences. Man, I've grown up in the church and I've had both positive and negative experiences in the church. And I'm able to help people with that through messages and, and seminars and through coaching. You see all five of those overlap in that area in what I do. And there's other overlaps we can look at. But that's what I encourage you to do. Look for the overlap in those areas. Because listen, nobody else can be you. Nobody else can be me. Okay? And some of you are saying amen. Amen. I'm glad nobody else can be Tommy. I'm not sure we can handle two of him. <laughs> I'm not sure I can handle two of me, to be honest with you. But God created me to be me the way I am. And he created you to be you the way you are. And what we want to do as a church is not try to change who you are. But as a church, we want to help you become more of who God created you to be. That's our responsibility as a church is to help people do that. So I want to leave you with this question. As we have gone through all of these, I want to leave you with this question uh, today. What God-given ability? or personality, or personality, what God-given ability or personal experience can I offer to my church? What God-given ability or personal experience can I offer to my church? And I want you to reflect on that, especially as you begin to write these things down. How can I use this in the church? Some of that God will reveal to you. He may not reveal every experience you write down, but something in there he'll reveal to you. Some ability that you have. He may not reveal every ability to you and how you can use that right now, but he will reveal something to you if you seek his guidance. So I encourage you to answer this question. What God-given ability or personal experience can I offer to my church? Listen, if you're listening today and you've never made that decision to follow Jesus, God's got a lot in store for you, including heaven. Okay? And that's eternity. And it's full of glory. It's full of joy. Uh, there's no pain. There's no dying. There's no sickness. There's no coronavirus. There's none of that stuff, okay? There's no riots. There's not any of that going on in heaven. But he also has a call for you right here. Jesus 
came that you may have life and have it to the full. And that begins the minute you accept Jesus. And my encouragement to you is if you're listening here this morning, or maybe you're listening to a replay of this and you don't know Jesus, today's your day to come to Jesus, to fall in love with Jesus and to accept his love for you and allow him to work through you in an amazing way that will change the world for the better. Let's pray. God, we, we, I am overwhelmed with how much you love us. God, you not only love us enough to send your son to die for us so that we could spend eternity with you, but you love us enough to leave us down here long enough to make a difference in people's lives that will last for eternity. Because when we accept your assignment for our lives, people are brought to the Lord. People come to Jesus. The world has changed and the church experiences growth because there's more people coming to Jesus. We have made not only a, a difference in their life here on earth, but we have made an eternal difference in their life. And God, that overwhelms me in a positive way. I pray that you will help us to better understand our spiritual gifts, our passions, our abilities, our personalities, and our experiences, and how we can use all of that for your glory and for your kingdom. It's in Jesus' precious and powerful name that I pray. Amen.